we're getting ready to have a live session. It's Billy Holiday. Billy Holiday. So I don't play jazz. I'm not a swinger. My good friend Jason Crane. Now it's jazz. Now it's jazz. Now it's now it's now it's jazz. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is a jazz interview podcast. It's more than just the music. It's stories about the people who play and write about and love jazz. It's also more than just a podcast. When you head over to thejazzsession.com, you'll find interviews, live jazz news, and links to lots of other jazz sites. On this episode, my guest is Japanese pianist Toru Dodo. His new record is called Dodo 3. The album mainly features Toru's original compositions, played by his trio with drummer Rodney Green and bassist Joseph Lepore. Here's a Dodo original called Boneless and Skinless. Toru, welcome to the show, and thanks a lot for being here. I, I want to just start off by asking where you were born. Uh, I was born in Tokyo, Japan, obviously. Grew up listening to all kind of music my father had in collection, like classical music, mostly. Then my parents let me start to take a piano lesson. And at some point, I just have to give up my career as a concert pianist. And back then, music is classical music to me, so I just realized my piano chops is not good at the level like some of the classical pianists. So I have to change my gear. Then after I entered the 
Meiji University in Tokyo, and I found the jazz music. That's how I started. You said you changed your gear. You became an economics major, right? You can't get too yeah, much. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can't get much more different than changing from concert pianist to economist. I don't know. I was also like good at studying the class and stuff, so I could get some high score. And so it was not that hard to change gear from pianist genre. I mean, music genre to a, like more realistic uh, occupation. How did you discover jazz when you were at Meiji? I don't know if you know her, but uh, there's a singer in Japan named Yano Akiko. Sure. Uh, uh, you know her? Okay. I do, yeah. And I think she's the first person who introduced me to the jazz music. I mean, she she's very influenced by jazz music. I mean, she's a pop singer, but uh, I mean, she sometimes uses like, jazz musicians like Pat Metheny or somebody like Charlie Hayden. I was like, wow, and I like her stuff very much. And I, that kind of made me start to check out those jazz music. And then I discovered, like, oh, maybe I can, I can leave this new home called jazz because I can play piano to some extent. I mean, it's just not good as the level, the, those classical concert pianists. But I, can, I know I can play some piano. And also... Jazz music is like composing, like, I mean, improvisation is composing, right? So also I love composing at my early age. So that's something I, I think I can, I thought I, maybe I was arrogant or just naive, but uh, I was kind of confident. I have some confidence, like I can, I can do some, this music. Then what did you do next? How did you start? You said, okay, I'm going to try to become a jazz piano player. What was the first step you took? Well, in the Meiji University, there's a like, jazz club, like, you know, chess club or tennis club, you know. That's a place where uh, people who love jazz music just hang out. Um, or sometimes we uh, actually, like, play the instrument and doing some jam sessions and stuff. So I just joined the club. And then I met some people like who are actually professional musicians who just sneak into the major university to look for a uh, rehearsal space. I mean, so then I just got to know them and I hang out with them and eventually they start giving me a gig and stuff. So that's my start. How did you learn how to improvise when you first started? I kind of know actually like what jazz musicians are doing actually. Like they're, I just figured out they're, just like making own phrase on like following chord changes. So I kind of know by instinct, like, oh, that's, that's just composing the, your own phrasing. Also, I just try to listen to uh, all kinds of jazz music as much as I can get. Uh, I think, I mean, I try to download all kind of jazz history into my brain and stuff. Right, I, I absorb it. Those first gigs must have been scary. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's strange, but uh, I always have some kind of confidence. I always can play in, to some extent. But even though I'm too much amateur at that point, then I always feel like I could be better. So I needed more foundation and stuff. So that kind of made me think about like going to United States. 
after I finished the,、uh, Meiji University. While you were in Meiji University, did you decide I want to try to be a professional jazz pianist? I think so. Like to be a musician is like my childhood dream. At my high school era, I just gave up my dreams, right? But、uh, after I discovered jazz music, jazz music, I felt like, oh, I want to be a musician again, you know. What did your parents think when you told them, Mom, Dad, I'm going to try to be a jazz piano player? Obviously, I mean they just say no. I mean in the first place, but、uh, after they look at me, like I was so occupying playing jazz music back then, and I think they just gave up. Then I mean eventually they really become very supportive. When you graduated from Meiji, you decided, like you said, to come to the United States, and you went to the Berkeley School of Music in Boston, right? Yes. How did you choose Berkeley? How did you know about Berkeley? Was it? Ah,、uh, in Japan, Berkeley is very big. I mean, it's well advertised and stuff. So, also, if you look at famous Japanese jazz musicians like Toshiko Akiyoshi or Sada Watanabe or Makoto Ozone. I mean, they are all from Berkeley, and also that time, like around '93 or '94,、uh, there is a pianist named Junko Onishi, and she also spent some time in、uh, Berkeley and New York, and she was big. I mean, she just came home that time, and she was everywhere on radio or like TV, and I was so inspired by her that maybe. That may be to decide. Oh, I have to go to Berkeley. You had said that you really enjoyed composing. She's a really fantastic writer. Yeah. Also, yeah. Yeah. very very interesting writer. Was it hard to get into Berkeley? First of all, I wonder. You know, I lived in Japan and I went to high school in Japan, and I know that spoken English is not a big component of Japanese education. Written English、right. is, but spoken English isn't. And so, all of a sudden, you were going to have to go to Berkeley、right. and take classes in English. Did you speak English then as well as you do now? Was it a challenge for you to come and start learning in Edinburgh?、Uh, it's it always challenge for me. It's still big challenge for me. I mean, right now at this moment, I'm very sweating hard right now. But、uh, you don't need any language as to music, right? Like music really doesn't require language. I really believe it. In the classes, like once teachers show how it sounds like and stuff. I can really understand what's going on without reading any text or teachers speaking. So I kind of understand by instinct and also from my classical train experience. You came to Berkeley in 1995, is that right? Yes. With whom did you study at Berkeley? With some people that we might recognize? I was a、uh, jazz composition major. I was with、uh, Phil Wilson, also Greg Hopkins. Those two. Uh, composing teacher is my like like big figure like they are my father figure. So and also I was taking a piano lesson with、uh, Ray Santisi. He's like he's been 
teaching at Berkeley almost like from the start when Berkeley got started or something. What was it like for you when you first moved to Boston? I was exciting. Like everything I saw was new. I mean, that was my first America experience. So I don't know. I was so happy. I mean, just wow. I I'm in America and studying music all the time. It's like paradise to me. Was it what you imagined? You came here to really get a foundation in in jazz. Did you find that you were able to do that when you arrived? Yeah, in, actually in Berkeley, I mean, I was really, my schedule totally filled, filled up with music from composing, arranging, or playing, rehearsing, like doing session. Every element really nourished my musical experience. You graduated from Berkeley in 1998, and you did what many jazz musicians do, which is to move to New York City. Why did you decide to do that? Well, it was a no-brainer for me back then. I have like many friends at Berkeley, and they all decided to move to New York, so I just followed them. So also, like I had some visa issue. My student visa was about to expire back then, so that point I really didn't know where to go but uh, I just want to see New York as long as my visa is okay. Talk a little bit more about that how do you so you you left school uh, I mean you graduated from school and then went to New York can you get a visa to be a jazz musician in New York City? I didn't know really I I should do because you know as I said my student visa thing was about expire and but somebody told me there's a possibility I might try to get an artist visa that gives me like three more years. Then I just met a lawyer in New York from my friend's channel. Then she actually helped me getting artist visa. Then, oh, okay, so I, I now I can live more years. So, What do you have to do to get an artist visa? What did you have to prove to the government? You just collect all the publication, like whatever your name's on it, like magazine or newspapers or like concert flyers. So I just collect them, whatever I have, through my Japanese uh, uh, when I was in Japan and also when I was in Boston. Like I have kind of busy in Boston, so I have many gigs and stuff. So my name was, uh, you know, little around that time. So that's how I got it. You're, you were born in the largest city in the world, but New York is a different kind of 
big yeah. city, particularly for a jazz musician, because every jazz musician says at one point, okay, now I have to go to New York. So it's not like there are five piano players. There are 5,000 piano players. Yeah. What was it like when you first got to New York? Did you, were you able to find work right away? Yes and no. Uh, as I said, I have already like friends at Berkeley. I mean, Berkeley connection was kind of strong, and I felt like I was kind of pro- protected by those friends. Even though I didn't have enough work back then, but uh, I mean, I just went every jam session uh, every night and just let people know, oh, Toru Dodo is here. And I mean, that's how I, how I started. Was there a moment for you, a, a particular gig that you got or a connection that you made that kind of turned the level up for you that, that brought you to the next stage of your career? That was my maybe third uh, year in New York. So around 2001? Uh, to, uh, yeah, 2000 and 2001, I guess. Actually, I, I was introduced to Kenny Garrett from my friends in Berkeley named John Lamkin, a drummer. I was very close to John Lamkin that time, and he, he was actually a drummer for Kenny Garrett on and off. That time I was thinking about making my demo recording with John Lamkin. Sometime at 2000 summer, I guess, uh, John gave me a call saying that, uh, hey, Toru, Kenny Garrett is interested in producing your CD. Why don't you call this number and talk to him? I just dialed the number, and Kenny just picked up the phone, and we talked about it, and I just played the piano for him through a phone receiver and stuff. But somehow that CD producing thing didn't work out. But, uh, I mean, believe it or not, uh, he gave me a call to do some session at his place, like, a couple weeks later. You know, Kenny really loved session at his place whenever he is in town. And I often uh, got his call. I remember August 2000, like, I went to his place almost three or four times a week and do some, like, maybe sometimes it's a duo session or sometimes he brought basically, uh, like, Robert Hurst or Marcus Bader on, on drums or something like that. It was really magical jam session. You know, I learned so much from those sessions. And also, he eventually gave me two gigs after that, like like big venue, like jazz festivals and stuff. I think that was my turning point. As I mean, I felt like joining a, like a major league from you know somebody like three uh, A in the baseball world. Was it hard to believe that that was happening to you? Yeah, I didn't just believe what I was doing when I first time talked to him on the phone, like. I mean, I was a fan of Kenny Garrett music, but uh, I mean, as a pianist from Japan, and I mean, it looks like he's an untouchable guy, but all, all of a sudden, like from my friend's connection, I was talking, I'm also playing with him and stuff, so I mean, that was really magical to me. After you played with Kenny, and particularly when you played at the big festivals, did other people call you as a result? Not really as much as I expected. I kind of, after that, I was little, I had like up and down moment, little bit. Even though I got some CD label deal with Japanese label called Jazz City that time. So I made some debut in Japanese jazz scene. 
So, yeah, it, it's really, yes. It takes time, I guess. You recorded your first album as a leader not long after those times with Kenny in 2002, your album called Dodo. Yeah. And that was for Jazz City. How did you how did you hook up with Jazz City? There's a guy named Yoshiaki Masuo, who is a renowned uh, guitarist who used to play for Sonny Rollins quite a bit. And he has, I mean, Jazz City is his own label, and he had his own studio in Soho, New York. I just happened to meet him at some of the jazz jam session, I guess. And that time I was just talking to him. Uh, I just want to make some demo. I want to use your studio or something like that. Then uh, Yoshiaki told me that, uh, hey, why not releasing your CD from my label? So it was like very, I mean, lucky thing, I have to say. Just I just was at right place, right moment, I guess. Were Ruben Rogers and John Lampkin on that first record? Yes. They were on your first two albums, right? Yes. And John, of course, was from the Berkeley Connection. Is that how you knew Ruben? Or? Uh, Ruben's also in my Boston Connection. He was around when I was in Boston. Even though he was always, always traveling all over the world, with, I mean, playing with all those like big names. So, But I knew Ruben quite a bit so, when I was in Berkeley. So. And then in 2004, you released your second record, 116 West 238th Street, which yes. is a challenge to say. And uh, that also featured Ruben Rogers on the bass and John Lampkin on drums. On both those records, uh, was there as much original composition as is on your new album? Yes. Yeah, like my three albums, like you can hear like mostly my original compositions. Yes. Why did you decide to do that? I, I think that's a great decision, but I wonder why you made that decision. I don't know. I, I feel like original songs is more true to myself, I guess. I mean, playing American old songs is something I'm kind of new. You know, I grew, grew up in Japan and grew up listening to like classical music mostly and why I have to play American songs. And also I love composing. So, I mean, it's a good way to present what Toru Dodo is, I believe. Your new album, which is called Dodo 3, is again on Jazz City and again produced by guitarist Yoshiaki Masuo, mm-hmm. and this time features Joseph Lepore on bass and Rodney Green on drums. Yes. Why the change in musicians? The, one of the reasons is John Lamkin moved to Maryland around 2003 or something. Then it's kind of getting hard to call him on a regular basis in New York. So I just I was looking for a new people. I met Romney and Joseph from my New York stay. And also I had a steady gigs at a place called Kitano Hotel. It's kind of a new venue in Midtown, New York. And I had a once-a-month basis gigs there. And we played there about a year and a half or so. We knew the old materials, and we, you know, we, we reached a certain point, oh, I should make a recording. So that leads to this Dodo 3. I really, really like the compositions uh, that you've done for this recording. They, uh, I don't know, so many jazz records that you hear sound a little bit tired, I think, um, particularly with a, a reliance on standards. And this record is just, uh, it's, it's so full of life, and uh, I, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it as I listen to it. I wonder if you talk a little bit about uh, some of the compositions 
on this album. For example, one that I I really enjoyed was uh, NYUCS. Tell, okay. tell folks what that stands for. And uh, it's the New York Underground Car Service, which is and the subway, right? Yes. When you're writing these tunes, are you bringing in uh, kind of sketches into the studio or fully fleshed out compositions? How, how do you work inside the studio? I mean, everything is written out before we recorded those materials. We just played it, actually. Then in the editing process, I just add those like sound effects and stuff. So, I mean, everything was well prepared before we recorded those materials. And in this case, you guys have played together enough that yeah. you you knew the sound of the group that you were writing yes. for. Yeah, we knew all the songs inside out. So, I mean, in the uh, recording session, we could really finish every song by just one one take or two takes. So it's like, I mean, that was the uh, smoothest recording session I've ever had. It seems like kind of snapshot of how we sounded like on a particular recording date. So... It was like almost, I mean, I feel like that sound, sounded like actual live recording to me. For folks who are, you know, just listening to this uh, and not seeing the CD itself at the moment, I have to say that you've got some pretty funny liner notes. Um, for example, <laughs> I particularly love what you say about Bolivia by Cedar Walton. You say, uh-huh. I've never gotten tired of playing this tune because this is a masterpiece. Or, mm-hmm. this tune is a masterpiece because I've never gotten bored of playing it. It is a great tune, and it and it sounds really wonderful on the album. Yeah. Uh, is Cedar Walton someone uh, whom you listen to a lot? Yeah, and also, actually, like, Junko Onishi, as I said, she often played that tune when I was in Japan. I always like listen to her playing that tune and somehow that that tune's like in my mind always and I won't just wanted to play that tune.
Now, you mentioned Kenny Garrett. You've also had a chance to play with some other big-name artists, folks like uh, Benny Golson, Teru Masahino, Curtis Fuller. How did those connections happen? I knew the uh, agent for Benny and Curtis, and his name is Jason Franklin, and he's also a singer. And I, I play with him quite a bit. Then sometimes Curtis or Benny... I couldn't, I cannot find any pianist. Then uh, Jason just gave me a call. Hey, Toru, Benny wants pianist, and just come to the, like, you know, just come here and stuff. So I I just like, oh, okay. How about Teru Masuhino? That was through uh, my fellow Japanese musicians who live there, named, bass player named Yosuke Inoue. He recommended me to Teru Masuhino. And it was it was like a gig at some like party at the uh, Rockefeller Center. Now you also host a jam session every Sunday night, right? At a, yes. a pretty popular New York club. Tell folks about that. I've been playing at a club named Cleopatra's Needle. Uh, that's on Ninety Second Street on Broadway. So I've been hosting jam session every Sunday night from eight p.m. till one a.m. But the first set I I can play my original stuff for an hour, and after that, I just emceeing and like organizing jam session. That's my like really steady gigs I have in New York right now. Now, in addition to obviously your own band and uh, promoting your new album Dodo Three, you're also working uh, as a sideman with several other musicians. Uh, the the singer Somi. Yeah. Uh, also in drummer uh, Pete Zimmer's band. Mm-hmm. And then with uh, someone who's going to be on this show in a couple of weeks, saxophonist Wayne Escoffrey and his mm-hmm. wife Carolyn Lenhart. Yep. Are those all people with whom you work regularly? Yes. That's the, those three bands are my regular bands I've been playing for the last couple of years. Well, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. I thank you for taking the time to appear on the jazz session and wish you the best of luck with your new album. Thank you very much for, uh, I mean, I'm very happy to be on this show.
that's R or B from pianist Toru Dodo's new album, Dodo 3. You'll find a link to Toru's website at thejazzsession.com. Until next time, you've been listening to The Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. Please visit the show's website at thejazzsession.com, where you'll find interviews, live jazz news, and links to tons of other great jazz sites. You'll also find links to subscribe to this show. If you can, please subscribe via iTunes. It's free, and it guarantees that you'll always have the most recent episode right there on your computer or in your MP3 player whenever you want it. I also invite you to check out allaboutjazz.com, where I write reviews and interviews, and so do many other much more talented jazz writers and interviewers. If you'd like to contact The Jazz Session, send an email to jason at thejazzsession.com or call 585-473-5304. That's a new number, 585-473-5304. You can also join the mailing list, which you'll find at thejazzsession.com, When you join, you'll get periodic updates about the guests who appear on this show, plus other news from the jazz world. The theme music for this show is by the Respect Sextet, online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the Jazz Sessions logo. On next week's show, our world tour of jazz continues with Russian pianist Misha Piatagorsky. I swear I didn't plan it this way, but the first five shows feature musicians from five different countries, Canada, Venezuela, the United States, Japan, and Russia. In the weeks ahead, you'll also hear from drummer Winard Harper and tenor saxophonist Wayne Escoffrey, to name just a couple. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to support live jazz wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session.